This is the Dallas Morning News. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're elevating how Texas banks. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. Welcome to Sports Big Cowboys, a podcast all about the Dallas Cowboys, brought to you by the Dallas Morning News. I'm Michael Gelfin. Hi, and I'm Calvin Watkins, with two Cowboys beat writers having a weekly Real Talk conversation about the latest with the team, including interviews, analysis, and debate. You know what, Michael? It's division round of the playoffs, and the Cowboys are getting ready to play the 49ers. This is the moment the Cowboys have wanted to reach the Super Bowl. They knew they would have to go through the 49ers. They would stand in their way. This is going to be a physical, physical game, Calvin. We're going to break down what do the Cowboys need to do Sunday in order to win. Michael, the Cowboys have a kicker problem, or maybe they don't. We'll explore what's going on with Brett Maher. Also, so is Dak Prescott okay now? After such a poor performance to close the regular season, has QB1 found a groove? Also, Ezekiel Elliott, is it just time to move on? And we'll speak with a 49ers expert, NBC Sports Bay Area beat writer Matt Mayoko joins us. Sports Day Cowboys starts next. You have a three-year plan and a 30-year plan. At Texas Capital Bank, we've transformed our bank to offer solutions that will grow with you. From enhanced treasury management and corporate banking to personal banking and wealth management, we're dedicated to delivering the full-service support you need to secure the growth and success of your business. All from a full-service financial firm founded and headquartered in Dallas, Texas. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. Welcome back, Sports Day Cowboys. Calvin, there is a lot of positives to talk out of the Cowboys having beaten the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Never much of a contest, but it doesn't seem like people really want to talk much about the way Micah Parsons looked on Monday night or the way that Leighton Vander Esch and Jonathan Hankins and Tyler Biotish returned from injury or the way Tyler Smith uh, slid from left guard to left tackle and put Devin White, the linebacker, on his, on his rear on a physical second-level block. People want to talk about Brett Maher, the kicker. You mentioned him up top. It was very bizarre, very uncharacteristic uh, for Brett Maher to struggle the way that he did. He missed four extra points in a row, really five dating back to the Washington Commanders game. And that's never been done before in NFL history. Uh, Really, a a lot of areas of that, including missing four in a single game uh, since 19... 32 back when the statistic was first tracked for individuals no one has ever missed four extra points in a game calvin what do you make of this uh i'm shocked appalled embarrassed (laughs) devastated um you you really don't want to kick a problem at this time of year i mean yeah there are kickers all over the place you know just waiting to, to to get a paycheck but this is not the time to have kicker tryouts, and th- this is stunning. Um, now, you know John Fossil, who uh, me and you, we we like John Fossil, you know, and and he, he breaks down every little thing of special teams when it comes to whether he's with the Rams, or he's with the Cowboys, and he broke down all the misses about from Maher, and really it, it was it had nothing to do with the operation. It had nothing to do with the with the grass, even though when I walked on the field, it was like mud. I was like, good grief. It's a terrible field. Terrible field. There was no wind going on. Earlier, you know, last week, I had talked to Maher about sight lines, and he says they show a live feed whenever the visiting team kicks at Raymond James Stadium. So I don't think that was a distraction. As, as, as Bones Fossil said, it's the yips. Maher has the yips, and he ha- he has it at the wrong time, and it, it was just kind of stunning, you know. When you're sitting there, he, he misses the first one. You go, oh, okay, he just missed it. You know, it's no big deal. 
Then he misses the second one, Michael, and you're going, wait a minute, what's going on here? And then you're looking back and you're saying, oh, man, he missed one in Washington, so that's three in a row. Then he goes to four in a row in Tampa and five in a row overall. And then he finally made one. And and I remember Leighton Vanderbilt walked on the field and he was like pounding his chest like, yay, yay. And then Maher did like a shoulder bump with Trayvon Diggs. And so the, so the players were encouraging him. At one point, Mike McCarthy had had grabbed Maher, I think it was after the, the second miss, and he was talking to him as they walked up the sideline. And so the, the players are confident in Maher's abilities. He just had a bad night and it came at the wrong time. I really like your Leighton impersonation. I, I think he has a little bit deeper of a voice, but yeah, yay, yay, is that better? That's more like it. Yeah, okay, um, better intonation. Yeah, the Cowboys players understand that they need Brett Maher. They mm-hmm. need this kicker position to be resolved. And you know what? For the for months now, Maher has done exactly that. I think the Cowboys, you know, couldn't believe that for a few months now. He's been as solid as he's been. When you consider where the team was in training camp, when it was going through, is it going to be Jonathan Garibay? Is it going to be Liram Hirulahu? And then they signed Maher, and he just took it and ran. Great on kickoffs, extremely accurate in his field goals. He missed three tries all year in field goals, and two of those attempts were from 57 yards. Pretty impressive. And then he missed three extra points during the regular season, yes. But of those three... Two of them were blocked. So he was actually 50 of 51 in extra points in the regular season. And the one that he missed, that Washington game one, featured a low snap. So overall, as solid and rock, you know, as solid as the guy could be, and to go from where he was for the entire regular season to where he was on Monday night, it was a really, really sudden shift to that storyline that the Cowboys did not anticipate. But Brett Maher will be your kicker. Sunday and it's just one more storyline to this game and you could break down and we will you know key areas of this matchup and it's going to be you know this Cowboys player versus this 49ers player or this part of their offense or defense versus respectively on the Cowboys side of the ball and this one that we're talking about right now is very unique because it's it's Maher versus Maher how can he how can he get over as you said, as John Fossil said, you know, the yips, how can you get over this just psychological block that formed in a very, very public way? Uh, I, I'm fascinated to, to see how he's able to overcome this. And he's overcome a lot mentally in terms of his struggles in the past. His 2018-2019 tenure with the Cowboys was cut short when he was waived midseason in 2019 because of inefficiency and has been so steady since. But now uh, we'll see what the Cowboys get from Maher. It'll be really key, Calvin, to see how he responds when he next get the opportunity Sunday. You know, outside of Maher, as you said, that was the only issue that this team had. One thing that I don't think we talked about enough, and you had brought it to my attention, was how dominant our boy Micah Parsons was at the start of that game. And he had our boy Tom Brady shook. And and when you when you, when I talk about Parsons, I also think about how physical this Cowboys team has to be against the 49ers on Sunday. I ran into one of the Cowboys coaches the other day, and I was asking him about, hey, you know, what's up with this 49er game? Is this going to be a physical game? Is it going to be finesse? What, what do you think? And he had his lunch in his hand, and he looked at me, and he said, it's a boxing match. We're going to have to get in the ring, and we're going to have to punch. They're going to punch us. The 49ers don't move around. That's their scheme. We We attack. I, you know, we, we got to be an attacking team. And that's what the 49ers are. And, and J. Ron Curse was asked, you know, in the buildup of the game, are you worried about the physicality of the 49ers? He's like, we, we got to be physical too. It's the playoffs, you know? I mean, who cares if they're physical? We got to be physical too. And, 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 and I wonder if the Cowboys can raise their level of physicality. Because when I think of the, their hardest hitters, I think of Donovan Wilson. I think I think of your boy uh, Tyler Smith uh, and Zach Martin and and Terrence Steele, who's is no longer with us because he's recovering from a, a torn ACL. Would have been a good Terrence Steele type of game, wouldn't it have been? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you think about the, the the physicality of this game? It's a big part of it, and for a boxing match, it's you know you're just going to have to be bo- bo- just body blows, and then you're going to throw some haymakers. And in terms of the run game, has to be there, but also 
big play opportunities mm-hmm. in the passing game. Now, Pollard, obviously, he has the ability to break it anytime he touches the ball. But that's something that the Niners defense, if you're going to criticize an area, and I'm actually really eager to get Matt Mayoko on, and we can kind of ask him, you know, what are the pressure points on this team? What are the weak spots? You know, what are the ways that the Cowboys can beat them? The part that I think the Cowboys are looking to exploit is trying to get some big plays. Because if you mm-hmm. recall, Calvin, I know you do, that first-round playoff loss to San Francisco last year, going into it, we thought, wow, there's a lot of vulnerability in that Niners secondary. Maybe the Cowboys can get some big plays going in that respect, and right. it never materialized. And maybe it was scheme, maybe it was execution. I think probably a combination of, of the two of them. But th- that's on Kellamore this this week in the staff. you got to find a way to better exploit where you can beat the 49ers. And that, that, that really starts, I think, with some of those haymakers on offense, mm-hmm. get, get, getting those big plays. I don't ever remember a quarterback that was the starter. You know, I'm not talking about a guy who's just in here until the other guy comes in, until they draft somebody or until they sign someone for agency. I don't ever recall in my years covering the Cowboys a quarterback playing as bad of a game as Dak Prescott did in Landover, Maryland, in that regular season finale against Washington. I mean, he was throwing footballs as if he was in a hurricane. Like, the balls were sailing all over the place. He had poor pocket presence. There was another pick six. And I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, when I left that stadium in the cold of Maryland, I, had a, I was bundled up. I was like, they're going to lose to Tampa Bay. Because Dak Prescott is just not where he needs to be. And then all of a sudden, boom, we get to Florida, and Dak had a fantastic game. Now, let's, let's be fair. The first two possessions of that game, they, they were – I don't know what was going on with them. But after that, he was outstanding. I think he set a franchise record of 11 consecutive completions in, in, playoffs, in, yeah. in playoffs. And he was just – he scored, what, five touchdowns, four touchdowns? So uh, he was just terrific. It was just like night and day. He's got to build off what he did against Tampa, against San Francisco. No doubt about it, right? No, no doubt. And I think it's more impressive that he was able to do that despite pretty inconsistent run game. You know, Zeke Yala, you mentioned there weren't a lot of negatives. I, I, I'm, you know, let's we'll talk Zeke later. Mm, but uh-huh. to me, if, if Dak Prescott is going to have a realistic chance of replicating that success against the 49ers, as physical as they are, they got to be able to run the football. They got to be able to have more early down success and set up, you know, third and manageable, third and shorts, because you just don't want to get into a situation where you're in these predictable pass situations any week, but certainly when Nick Bosa is, is on, on the opposite side. And that's going to be another big part of it is, is protect, protection. Uh, mm-hmm. with, with both the, you know, if, it, if it's, you know, wherever side it is, but say against Tyron Smith, I think he's improving at right tackle. We've talked in the past, written about in the past, how it's been, uh, you know, an understandable learning curve for them. But a, I thought he had his best game. At right night. tackle. Yeah, did. right tackle. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. so, so can, he, can he maintain that? Like all those things are really key. Uh, yes, it's it's Dak and, and he looked fantastic. What a, what a turnaround, no doubt, from mm-hmm. one game to another. But it's difficult to sustain that, if you don't have the surrounding pieces, so protection is important and getting this run game going, all that has to be in order. Really, these are the type of things that you need to do in January, you know, having sound special teams, having the ability to run the football. Cowboys talk about that all season. Those are the areas that need to be there in Santa Clara. Michael, what's very interesting to me in this contest is the quarterbacks. The 49ers are starting a rookie quarterback. OK, they're not starting a guy who they got from Ohio State. They're not starting a guy that they got from Michigan. You know, they're not starting a guy they got from Arizona, who's like the number one pick of the draft. They're starting the last man selected in the draft from Iowa State and, and Brock Prudy. And yet the Niners are a favorite. I would think if you are starting a rookie QB in the playoffs, that everyone would be on a cliff ready to jump because there's no way you can win this game. And yet. There's a lot of confidence in, in in what this kid has been able to do thus far and in his abilities to possibly beat the Cowboys. And I remember when Dak was a rookie, as a matter of fact, Dak was the last rookie to start a, a division around playoff game. And now full circle, he's like the oldest quarterback left in, the, in these playoffs. He's not even 30 yet. And I, are you surprised that 
we got a rookie quarterback, and it's not a, it's not being deemed as a negative on the Niners. I, well, it reminds me very much of what the Cowboys asked of Dak Prescott when he was a rookie. You know, you look at the past attempts, you know, and again, well, Mayoka can help us get some context to it. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not like they're relying on him a whole lot to, to carry their offense. Like, that's not the case. Uh, you know, I think the, the, the success that they're having in the run game, uh, all, all the yards after reception, they're, they're able to have some, like, high percentage throws. And Kyle Shanahan just does as good of – job as any coach in the league at just designing plays where mm-hmm. you know the a play that you know a given play a given look they, they'll run you know four different ways out of, out of this look it, it could be this play it could be that play we run past and all that from the same motion same shift same everything but it, it could be there's no tells as to which it's going to be so it's really hard to kind of sort through your keys as a you know say linebacker if you're late in van der Esch because they do such a good job of masking it with all of the sophistication to what the Niners and Shanahan do schematically, I think it's really going to be critical for the Cowboys to stop the run, get into some third and lawns. If you can get your set up third and lawns because you're stopping the run game or you're creating obvious passing situations because you've taken an early lead, that's how you can break the 49ers to me. You really force this young quarterback to beat you when everyone at Levi Stadium knows you've got a pass, including Dan Quinn, including Micah Parsons, including Demarcus Lawrence, and so forth. That to me is how you can kind of get through what the Niners have working so well, which is when they're having the lead or when they're ahead of the chains, all of that, they are very, very difficult to beat. You know what's interesting too um, about this game, and, and there's a lot of things interesting about it, is that the Cowboys offensive line is going to have to. Might have to make another change, you know. Uh, Jason Peters hurt his hip uh, in the in the Tampa game, and God bless Connor McGovern and Tyler Smith how they're able to just you know just come out of there and hey, you know what? You weren't playing now. You're now you're our left guard. Tyler Smith, you are our left guard now. You're our left tackle. Just the diversity um, that they have shown on the offensive line all season has been terrific. And they've been preparing for this since training camp, getting guys to play different positions. And once again, when we talked about the kicker and being worried about him, the offensive line is going to make another change, but it's going back to a change that they've had for most of the season with Tyler Smith at left tackle. If we don't see uh, Peters uh, against San Francisco, McGovern's going to be your guard. Thank goodness. Tyler Biotis is going to be back at the starting center. Our boy uh, Tyron Smith at right tackle, as I said, I think he had his best game against uh, Brady and in, in the Bucks, And, of course, the great, you know, Zach Martin is going to Hall of Fame one day. So we should be worried about the offensive line making these changes, but not really because that's what they've been doing all year. Yeah, so it's about the changes, and it's more just about can they be the more physical front? Right, right. Can they avoid getting beat up front? Can they allow – Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard to get going. Because, again, it's just really, really difficult to see the 49ers losing if the Cowboys are unable to get the run game going. Mm. Well, coming up next, we know a man who knows something about the Bay, meaning the professional football team out in the Bay. I think – I'm not talking about the Raiders because they're in Vegas. We're not talking about the A's because that's a baseball team. We're talking about the Niners. Matt Mayelko joins us next. You have a three-year plan and a 30-year plan. At Texas Capital Bank, we've transformed our bank to offer solutions that will grow with you. From enhanced treasury management and corporate banking to personal banking and wealth management, we're dedicated to delivering the full-service support you need to secure the growth and success of your business. All from a full-service financial firm founded and headquartered in Dallas, Texas. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. Welcome back to Sports Day Cowboys. We're excited for this week's guest, Matt Mayoko, in his 26th season of covering the San Francisco 49ers. He does it for NBC Sports Bay Area, as good of a beat reporter as you will find. Matt, thank you for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. This is uh, this is something special, right? I mean, 49ers, Cowboys in the postseason. Uh, the, the old timers have seen this many, many times. Uh, you know, the, the new kids, it's kind of fresh, but it's always exciting. 
it seems like it's a, a budding like 2.0 generation of this rivalry because now it's two straight week or two, two straight postseasons of these teams matching up. How does this 49ers team compare to you to the Niners team that beat the Cowboys at AT&T Stadium last year? Oh, boy, it, it's it's similar but different. And I would say that the major differences are on the offensive side of the ball. The 49ers really had a difficult time scoring points last season. And it was all kind of predicated around Debo Samuel. I mean, in, in that game in particular, I remember that the 49ers forced to take away in the third quarter, I believe it was. And they were already, you know, whatever, I forget what yard line it was on, but it was on the the, the other side of the 50. And um, Debo Samuel went up to Kyle Shanahan as soon as the, the takeaway was, was produced by the 49ers defense. And he said, basically, give me the ball. And so Kyle Shanahan dialed up a play, the very first play, to get Debo Samuel the ball, and he took it into the end zone. It, it was really all about him. And then Samuel missed the final, you know, he, he missed a, a handful of games toward the end of the season. And we all kind of forgot about Debo. And he hadn't had like that kind of season that he had a year ago because Christian McCaffrey was here and he was doing Debo-like things. You had Brandon Ayuk who was making plays, George Kittle catching a lot of touchdown passes. And then when we saw Debo Samuel show up again in the first round of the playoffs, it all kind of came back like, okay, you know, now the team is whole. And a, a year ago, they had a banged-up Jimmy Garoppolo. He hurt his thumb late in the season, uh, tore a ligament in his thumb, and then in that game against the Cowboys, had the shoulder injury. So the 49ers passing game wasn't very good. But now this this new kid, Brock Purdy, he's doing basically everything that, that Kyle Shanahan wants from that offense. So it's it's a more – it's an explosive offense, not a throw it down the field explosive offense, but a get the ball out into the hands of the playmakers in space and let them create kind of offense. Matt, I got one question. It's probably the only thing I really care about. I mean, I don't care about George Kittle. I don't care about D'Amico Ryans. If he's going to get a head coaching job, nobody really cares. But I, yeah, you know, I, I don't care that the game is no longer at Candlestick Park. I, I don't care if it's going to rain or sleet or snow. It doesn't really matter to me because I'm not playing. Who the hell is Brock Purdy? Like, who is he? I, I, I know the man was like the last guy drafted. I think he went to Iowa State. I believe he's like the first rookie quarterback in the division around since Dak Prescott in 2016. I think he's got a sibling named Chubba or something like that. Who who names a baby Chubba? Maybe that's a nickname. But anyway, who who who's the quarterback for the 49ers, Matt? Help me well, out you, here. You call you, you called him a man. If you saw Brock Purdy, you call him a kid. Mm. I mean, he looks like he just stepped off his bike at the end of a paper route. I mean, he is, <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, he 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 just turned 23 years old. He doesn't look that old, but he's just got this self-confidence and I think awareness of what he can and can't do. He's smart as heck. He doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. Um, you know, obviously he's not the most imposing figure you've ever seen, but he just knows how to play football and he knows he he's, he's very bright. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got, a lot of courage. He 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 has poise and confidence. Heck, he walked into the huddle first time and is like telling the veteran players to shut up. You know that I'm calling a play. So he's he's uh, he looks the part as far as just the poise and self confidence. He's played exceptionally well. They don't ask him to do a whole lot. But Kyle Shanahan already, you can tell, he has a lot of confidence in Brock Purdy. I, I almost think he has more confidence in Brock Purdy now than he ever did with Jimmy Garoppolo. Then let's give him a five-year, $200 million contract extension. Let's, let's just get it done. <laughs> well, and yeah, if uh, that might be the saving grace is that uh, NFL rules don't allow them to sign him to a, a contract for another couple of years uh, based on you know him being a rookie and getting drafted. But uh, – yeah, if they if they could, they probably would, because uh, he he's just he's done everything right, and you know we can debate whether quarterback wins is a stat or not. It, we talk about it, so I guess it is a stat. Uh, 
So they haven't lost since him. And, right. and their points per game have gone way up. Um, and so he, he just done a, a really nice job and no one really has come up with any kind of thing to, to defend him quite yet. But I think that has a lot to do with, with what we were just talking about with the playmakers. I mean, all he has to do, he doesn't have to do anything crazy. He does a really nice job of escaping the rush, buying time, and making second or third reaction plays. He does a really good job of going through the progression, and and he's hit a couple of receivers on fourth, you know, as the fourth in the progression for touchdown passes. So he's done a really mm-hmm. nice job, and he doesn't have to do it all. All he has to do is be basically the the pass first point guard. You know, the old, mm. the old college point guards who would get 12 assists a game and score three points. That's kind of what Brock Purdy is. So he's like Clyde uh, Frazier. <laughs> Clyde Frazier, yes. Yeah. And he just glides around back there and makes people miss and glide the glide and Brock the glide, I guess. <laughs> he doesn't have to, as you said, do it all. And you look at the number of pass attempts in his six starts, he's thrown more than 30 passes just once, which – it's a testament to the playmakers, but really a testament to the efficiency of overall the offense, the run game. What happens if the 49ers find themselves in a negative game script and they need to go away from the passing game? Maybe they won't go away from the run game, but they typically you go away from the run game and, and you got to go more heavy pass. Is he someone that can carry an offense from behind to victory? Yeah, and I think a lot of the reason, too, Michael, is because they were winning those games. And so they didn't have to throw the ball a lot. He did throw 19 times in the first half of that Seahawks game in the playoffs. Um, not real successfully. I mean, he didn't have any any turnovers, but it was 9 of 19. And But they were they were still getting a lot of yards. I think they were averaging 8.3 yards per offensive play in the first half. And then the second half, things really clicked. Um, the, the only... The only uh, circumstance where they did have to play catch up came in the week 17 game in Vegas. And he did, you know, he led the team down a couple of times late, you know, one for a go ahead touchdown that could have been the game winner. And then back again for what could have been or should have been the game winning field goal that Robbie Gold missed. I mean, you guys probably don't know anything about field goals or extra points being missed but too I'll soon for our listeners too soon okay. i'll explain it to you guys later <laughs> uh, what all that means. But then they win the game in overtime um granted it wasn't a purdy led drive in overtime so you know that that is the the scenario i guess i mean we've seen it a little bit but basically and I, this is cliche but every box that's been there he's checked and going into you know after the first four starts the one thing that people here were talking about was well can he lead a a late drive you know can he you know put a team on his shoulders and he did that in that game against the Raiders so there there's there has been opportunities for defenses to make plays on him and he he threw I think four interceptions, a um, couple of one of them was off the hands of a, a wide receiver, uh, but there have been a couple other plays where he's allowed the defense to have opportunities to make plays and they haven't come down with it. So I, I know that so much of Dallas's defense is predicated on takeaways, whether it's you know fumbles, uh, interceptions, and so I mean hey there will be. I would think that there will be opportunities for the Cowboys to make those kinds of plays. I don't. I, I kind of. I don't understand Brock Purdy. I probably never will. It's probably over my head. But I. I do love this defense. I think they've given up like two hundred seventy-seven points all year. They have been very good. Um, would you say that they are the alpha and omega of this team, just because of of the the quarterback situation has been back and forth? And he, yeah, you got playmakers. On the offense, but this defense has been outstanding. No, no, it it has been. <clears throat> What's interesting though is that I think later in the season they were kind of trending in different directions. In the the defense, not to say the defense has been like this, you know, this horrible part of the the team, but the defense has shown some susceptibility to big plays, mm-hmm. and they. It was a game against Kansas City where they gave up 44 points, 49ers get crushed. Um, 
and D'Amico Ryan started making some adjustments. They, they kind of got out of the stuff that they always do. They were always kind of predictable, cover three. So they started doing more, you know, more varied things defensively. And it had a positive effect in the sense that, you know, they, they really amped up the, the takeaways. A lot more interceptions, 20 interceptions on the season. Uh, but it also opened the door for them to have some breakdowns in the defensive backfield, which teams have taken advantage of. So as, as the defense has kind of been this, um, you know, home run or strikeout kind of defense, uh, but again, like you mentioned, though, they have outstanding players. They have like Pro Bowl, all pro type players on every level of their defense, starting with Nick Bosa and then two really good linebackers and Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw and Talano Hufanga was a uh, all pro safety. But the defense is the defense is what this team is is geared around, but that offense is really catching up. So right now they've probably been more balanced offense and defense, and even special teams. They probably they've been more balanced right here over the past few weeks than at any point this season. So I think they go into this postseason, the second round matchup, and thinking that you know if the if the offense sputters, the defense can pick it up. If the defense sputters, the offense can kind of cover it up. And then special teams has been a pretty strong suit of this team as well. Matt, as a beat writer, you you know your team's strengths. That you know the team that you cover, you know their strengths very very well. You also know their weaknesses, their pressure points. How did the 49ers lose this game? What's what, what would that path look like? The path is that the Cowboys generate turnovers like they have all season. And, and they have to be plus in the, in the uh, takeaway giveaway category. And that's not, not too much of a stretch uh, to, to think that that could happen. And also uh, then uh, the, uh, Cowboys do a really good job of protecting Dak Prescott. 49ers uh, don't get that, you know, don't get his uniform dirty at all. And that will allow Prescott to make plays down the field. Um, there will be opportunities. If he has the time to throw, there will be opportunities for them to make big plays down the field. And that's the formula. It's, you know, keep Dak Prescott upright and win that, that takeaway battle. And if that's the case, then there's a very decent chance that the Cowboys will be marching on to the NFC Championship game against a team that they know very well. This is a, a storied rivalry. Um, goes back to the 90s and all that kind of stuff. We all know that, the history. But the last time these teams played, the 49ers beat them up pretty good on the road. Um, and, and I think some of us who – I think sometimes we get so caught up in our own teams that we don't really see the positive sometimes in our own teams because we, we just see all the negatives. And I look at this matchup, and you tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong here, Matt, 49ers might be the more physical team because it's. I think it was a stat that teams, after they play San Francisco, they lose the next week because they're so beaten up. And tell me about the physicality of this of this club. Yeah, I mean, it is a very physical team. And, um, you know, defensively, their defensive line, you know, they, they have nine guys active on game day. They're, they're coming at you 100 miles an hour. It, it's a, a fast, physical, uh, relentless kind of defensive approach where Chris Kosarek, the defensive line coach, just has these guys schooled up. They're constantly rotating in. So they, they do. Um, you know, they do try to beat you up. They, you know, Trent Williams, a left tackle, you know, Aaron Banks, a left guard, two very physical guys. You know, they're going to try to, you know, they have a very good balance, the the ers do, of, you know, this, the speed, the physicality, uh, you know, the power game, um, the, the just, you know, they can do a lot of different things. And I think that enables Kyle Shanahan and D'Amico Ryans to construct game plans based on not only their own strengths, but the weaknesses of the opposition. So um, they will, they're a very well coached team as well. Um, it, it's, you know, the Fortnite are playing better than any team in the league, really. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily talking strictly about their 11 game winning streak, but they got it going on. 
And not, you know, that's no prediction that they're going to go rolling into the Super Bowl and win it going away. But I'm just saying that, you know, up to this point, they've been playing really good football, as good a football as I've seen a, a team play. But that's, you know, that all can change in a heartbeat in one game, you know, just one 60 minute game. And they did not play great in the first half against Seattle and Seattle went into halftime winning that game. And then the 49ers turned it on and, and won, won it going away. So I, I know that, you know, when they've made those mistakes on defense and given up plays, you know, one of the qualities that, uh, you know, they've talked about is to flip the script and just, you know, it's a 60-minute game. You know, it's a 60-minute game, so you can't allow one bad play to fester and turn into another bad play. And they've done a good job at that. So um, it, it, the Cowboys better be ready to play, you know, from start to finish because that's kind of the mentality the 49ers have had, uh, maybe not the whole season, but certainly during this stretch where they played really good football. So I'm, I'm expecting one heck of a game. We're going to get your prediction here shortly, but one final question before we get there. Nick Bosa, Micah Parsons, very well could be 1-2 as it relates to the AP Defensive Player of the Year award. doesn't seem like there's going to be much of a contest. It will be Bosa almost certainly who will win that prize. What do you see in terms of why is Bosa at the top of his game right now? Well, I mean, 18 and a half sacks, and there's really nobody else who's a big pass rush threat on that team, you know, at least not one person that, that comes at you with bulks of numbers. So, you know, he's often beating double teams. You know, teams are accounting for him. Teams are doing the quick game to, you know, to, to get, you know, get the ball out quickly. So the pass rush stuff, and he's kind of a next level pass rusher. I mean, that's he eats, sleeps, drinks pass rushing. Um, and then the other part of it, which is kind of the hidden part, is Fortinaires had the number one ranked run defense in the league, and Bosa was a big part of that as well. So uh, he's he had a, a phenomenal season. Um, you know, seeing how he impacts a game, both as a pass rusher and as a run defender, um, yeah, he'll get his tackles too, but it's also, you know, setting guys up, doing the dirty work. So yeah, he's a uh, he's a, a great player, no question about it. And you know, not having seen every game that Micah Parsons played, certainly I saw the game the other night against the the uh, Buccaneers, and he dominated that game too. But I know that there was that the whole conversation back and forth the whole you know the whole season. Who's it going to be? Um, I mean, you would probably say the same thing. You can't go wrong by voting for Micah Parsons. And I would say you can't go wrong for voting for Nick Bosa. So who you got in this one? Uh, are you ready for a prediction or you need yeah, to sleep on it for a couple more days? Yeah, I'm never really ready for a prediction. But um, <laughs> I, I would say, you know, I would say just, uh, you know, I try to try to look at it real, um, you know, try not to, to play the homer card or anything like that. Uh, but I, I do think that the the 49ers are the better team. Doesn't mean they're going to win the game, but I would I would suspect that they would. My my guess would be somewhere around the line of uh, I think it's going to be a good a good weather day too. Hmm. So let's go let's go thirty to twenty four 49ers. Right. Awesome, my boy Brock. My boy Brock going to put it on him. All right. Yeah, you you after the game, you're gonna have to go up to him, Calvin, and shake his hand and well you'll look down on him because you're probably calling <laughs> uh, pat him on the head and, and say, Brock, let's uh in the off season, let's get together and have a root beer float. <laughs> I might take Matt, him to a PG thirteen movie at, at that. <laughs> Matt Mioka, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you in the press box. Really quality food there. We appreciate that uh, as always. So thank you for for having us. Or thank you for right. coming on. Yeah, Michael Calvin, thank you so much. I appreciate Thanks, it, Matt. Thank you so much. When we return, we'll talk about a beloved player who might be on their way out. Hey listeners, this is Damon Marks. I'm the Cowboys editor for the Dallas Morning News. That includes the Sports Day Cowboys podcast that you're listening to right now. What I love about this beat is the nonstop news cycle that is the Dallas Cowboys. But beyond that daily adrenaline rush, 
being able to reveal the human side of the players you watch on TV is a privilege. Calvin and Michael talk to these players each week to bring you the behind-the-scenes stories that you can't get anywhere else. If you want to support this good work, it's easy. Just subscribe to the Dallas Morning News and become a member. You'll find a special offer just for listeners at dallasnews.com slash listen. Michael, before we go and uh, get ready to fly on a big bird to to California again, it seems as if we go to California 20 times a year, you know, but <laughs> between training camp and preseason games and all kinds of stuff, you got family out there. I got my son lives out there. Goodness gracious, you're paying state taxes out there in a minute. Let's talk about my favorite guy, your favorite guy, Ezekiel Elliott, and the possibility that this might be his last game and how maybe he needs to get some reduced carries because over the last month, uh, Zeke Elliott has not looked like himself. Maybe that knee injury that he suffered at the midway point of the year is, is worse than what we thought. Um, he's still wearing a knee brace. I remember at one point he said he was going to shed the brace. Michael, tell us the numbers because the numbers speak for themselves, but the eye test also tells us he's not the same guy. He averages right now in his past three games 1.85 yards per carry. What, what is it again? 1.85 over the past three games. Which I'm going to write that down. I got to write that down. I got to write that down. If it was double that, it would still be too low. <laughs> and he hasn't averaged four yards to carry in a game since the Cowboys lost Terrence Steele on December 11th, which I think has had, you know, as we kind of discussed at the time, was going to be a major, major development for this offensive line and for this run game. It's problematic, not ideal, to have the run game kind of be touch and go at this stage of the year. We said that earlier. It's the truth. As to whether or not this is his final game with the Cowboys, should they lose? I don't know that. I think there's no easy way out of his contract. We look at the dead money, but I – it's very clear. The one, the one certainty, I will make this declaration. I'll, I'll post it on Twitter whenever the season ends. You can, it, 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 it's, it's final, and whenever it happens, we shouldn't be surprised. It's just procedural at that point. There's zero chance. It won't happen. There's zero chance of Ezekiel Elliott returning to the Cowboys in 2023 under his contract as it is currently written. Zero chance. There's no guaranteed money left. That base salary has got to come way, way, way down for the Cowboys to even entertain him being a Dallas Cowboy. And that is something that I don't think is a shocker to Ezekiel Elliott. He signed that extension in 2019. The running back market has not moved since then for the most part. And, you know, he just hasn't been as productive at this stage of his career as he was the previous one. So if the Cowboys were to move on from Ezekiel Elliott, they won't be able to trade him. No one's going to be able to willing to pick up this contract. And if they were to release him, no one's going to pay him what the Cowboys currently are scheduled to in 2023. So you can just go ahead and write it down in stone that Ezekiel Elliott, if he's back, I think he will be, but if he's back next year, it won't be under his current contract. And just for clarity, his salary in 2023 is $10.9 million. What? Zero, zero chance that that is what it will actually be. Say that again. It, How much money again? $10.9 million. Boy, are you crazy. We're not bringing that man back. Are you crazy? Look, look at look, Not that amount. Not that not amount. Not that amount. No, not that amount. Oh, It'll be no. half of that or even less, probably less than half of that. Look, whew, what? I mean, and check this out. They're going to franchise Tony Pollard, and he's going to get about $9, $10 million. Mm-hmm. On the franchise, tag. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, but quickly, but back to this game, I wouldn't mind seeing more of Malik Davis. Now, it's, it's a little tricky because in past situations, you, you need Zeke out there because he can block for you. And I don't know right. how good of a, of a pass blocker uh, Malik Davis is, but I, I would like to give – you know, Malik Davis some run in this ball game. Now he he's a young guy, but look, they got Deron Bland out there starting that corner. He's a rookie. So let's, let's take the training wheels off and put these people out there. I mean, if we're talking a guy with 1.85 yards per carry and 
I think it's something that the Cowboys should at least entertain. I don't know if they're actually going to do it. I don't. I would be really surprised if we saw Malik Davis eat into Ezekiel Elliott's carries. That just doesn't seem like anything. I mean, the Cowboys have been. They 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 say they believe in Zeke and they were going to ride with Zeke. We go as Zeke goes. It's something that Jerry Jones has uttered multiple times it's as recently as this season. I am with you. I don't disagree per se. I think it would be a good thing for this offense to make it instead of a, a two-headed situation. You know, bring in Malik Davis, who's active on special teams. Mm-hmm. It's not going to change your forty-eight man roster. That makes sense to me. It adds a little more juice to the backfield. Uh, in a game where you can't have enough of it. Because even going back in looking at the film of all of Zeke's carries this previous game in Tampa, there were, there were yards left on the field that were yeah. concerning. You showed me one a play. Tell the people about the play that you showed me. He had a little cutback, and he he just missed it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious, honestly. It's always tough because I think – It's tough. Yeah, I get it. When you, when you look back and watch film and you're not – in the room where these plays are designed or where these plays are discussed and you don't know like schematically what, you know, it's just really hard. It's, I think it informs your, your questions to Mm -hmm. players more than it informs your opinions about players. And so I, I just, it's a question that when I get a chance this week, I hope to sit down with, you know, Zeke or whoever it may be on offense that I'll ask. I'm really curious on the play. I think it was in the second quarter, maybe Mm -hmm. in the middle of the game where it was a three yard run up the middle, but it should have been, a 20-yard-plus run off the left end because Zach Martin was pulling left. Mm-hmm. Tyron Steele was – not Tyron Steele. Tyron Smith. Tyron Smith was pulling left. would have been nice if it was Tyron Steele. And rather than follow the outside hip of Tyron Smith and just you know keep the run outside, he cuts it upfield and gets tackled for that three-yard gain, and there was nobody uh, on the outside if, if he was to choose the edge on that. So – Again, it's maybe it's it's unfair to 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 nitpick and look at that, but mm-hmm. I, I think in the running back room, that's what they do is they, they analyze and, and are their yards above expectation on this particular play, and if I make this cut differently, you know what opportunities were there. That one seemed to me to jump out, and so that that, that one is just I, I feel like there's there's an opportunity for Zeke to improve, but in the meantime, right now, I, it's I think you you have to at least have the conversation inside the building is do we want to give Malik Davis some opportunities but I again I just don't see it happening maybe it's ball security if they trust Zeke more maybe it's pass protection they trust Zeke more maybe they just don't want to disrupt things um if nothing else it, it's certainly been the finish to the year that the Cowboys weren't hoping out of their run game for a number of reasons including Zeke not quite being up to his peak form that we've seen in years past there were 35 running attempts in that game against Tampa Bay. Now, some of that was, you know, Dak scrambling out the pocket and, and those kinds of things. But out of the 35 attempts, 28 went to Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. 15 to Pollard, 13 to Zeke. And I would think, moving forward, that if you want to run the ball at least 30 times a game, which is what Mike McCarthy likes to do, well, that's, you know, that's like, the blueprint for him and you're going to give half of that to Pollard maybe you give him 18 possibly carries so say you got 13 for Zeke I think you can split that 13 between Zeke and Malik Davis you know maybe you can I don't know it doesn't seem like there's a lot there but just the fact that you know Zeke rushed for 27 yards on 13 carries in that game against the Buccaneers in a playoff game you know thank goodness for Tony Pollard You know, I mean, this is a business you need. I mean, one of the things that I'll never forget, Michael Irvin said a couple of years ago, you got to do whatever it takes to win a championship. Forget about feelings. If Malik Davis is a better product than Ezekiel Elliott in this game against the Niners, you got to put him out there. And I agree with you. At least have the conversation. Now, if you say, hey, we're going to ride and die with Zeke. okay, that's fine. You're going to be sitting on that couch watching the NFC Championship game. You know, and you're going to be thinking about maybe we should have gave Malik Davis a little bit of run. I don't know. But, hey, this, I, I'm glad we talked about this because, you know, the, the two negatives coming out of that game was Brett Maher and, to me, it was Ezekiel Elliott, at least in my mind. 
Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna do go. quick predictions because mm-hmm. we gotta we gotta get out of here. We gotta give a, a shout out pretty soon to our producer Christian mm-hmm. Baskets. Mm-hmm. He's killing it. I gotta we catch gotta, a plane. I catch a plane to the bay. I gotta catch a plane out there. I know we're moving all over the place like Israel Mukwamu playing <laughs> nickel corner. We didn't even get to that. He was terrific against Tampa. But all right, prediction, Calvin. Who you got? Uh, you know. I, I just think the 49ers are just too physical. They have a lot of talent. They're going to protect that rookie quarterback. Um, he's playing within the system. You know, the Cowboys, yeah, they, you know, Tom Brady was just terrible, right? He was just terrible. Brock Purdy is, is, should be a lot better. Purdy's going to run out of the pocket a lot more than Tom Brady, and that's going to be problematic. I'm going to take the Niners to win this ball game. I don't think they're going to put up a lot of points. I think it's going to be a real close game. So I got 21-10 San Francisco. Wow, that's covering the spread all right. That's right. Yeah, hey, man, I got to make some money, baby. I got to make some money. <laughs> well, I, I I, think the Niners are a better team. Uh, the Niners are a better team, and I'm going to spend the next couple of days wrestling in my mind whether or not that – just because the teams might be better and stronger overall doesn't mean that – they are invincible and that they won't lose. And in my mind, I'm, I'm still playing through the different matchups. I think Micah Parsons has to have the game of his life at pestering Brock Purdy mm-hmm. for the Cowboys to win this game. I think the run game has to really, really be solid at least, get a lot of attempts to keep the Niners off the field. And they get, I don't worry about the Cowboys' ability to tackle, but that's going to be paramount. Um, I still, though, I, I think the, the Brett Maher question, the what does it look like against – Ayuk and Samuel and Kittle and it's just they're so loaded offensively. I, I think I'm I'm leaning toward picking the Niners to win. I'll say by like by three points. I think it's going to be closer, uh, but we'll see. I, I'm really I, I'm, I'm going to do a little more research in the days ahead. I want to see Brock Purdy with my own eyes and, and watch film. Mm-hmm. I want to see the big plays that the Niners defense has allowed. I want to kind of get it all in, especially after hearing Matt Mayoko talk about it. But right now. Niners are are the better team, so I will choose the Niners to win in advance. All right, and you know what? Maybe um, when we get on that plane to go to the Bay, maybe you know when we land, we get a glass of wine, and maybe they'll ship some a bottle of wine to us at Nap from Napa, and then you know we'll just relax and get ready for the big one. Well, that's all the time we got for Sports Day Cowboys this week. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is produced by Christian Vasquez, and you can stay up to date on every episode by following Sports Day Cowboys wherever you get your audio, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, really however it is that you found it here, find it there again. You can also find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. And you also find a special membership offer there just for the listeners. And we also want to hear more from you. So email us your questions and voice memos at dmncowboys at dallasnews.com. And you can also ping us directly on Twitter at dmn underscore cowboys and on Facebook at Cowboys Fans Central. For the news. I'm Calvin Watkins. I'm Michael Gelkin. We'll see you next week. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more and they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.